Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the best Patronus producing memory of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who are wondering if social distancing has put an end to the Dementor's Kiss. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? Uh, feeling at times like I'm actually secretly locked away at Hogwarts and I just haven't realized it yet. <laughs> but, you know, managing. Uh, Sorry, not Hogwarts. Um, Azkaban. Azkaban. There we go. Very different. Hogwarts would be yeah, great. It's like a 50-50. <laughs> yeah. Depends if the night lets you out of, of your common hall. Um, sure. Mm. Cadigan is a whole different situation. BJ, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing quite well. Um, though, though I'm a little disappointed that you got out in front of something that I was going to bother you with and call this chapter the patroness and see how you reacted. <laughs> but unwittingly, you got out in front of it. Mm. I do what I can, I suppose. Uh, uh, was it unwitting or did she just know you that well, BJ? 50 <laughs> 50. Um, mm. So we are on chapter 12 of book three of Harry Potter called The Patronus. And we have some segments that we do here. Uh, we have a rapid fire recap, which I have uh, heard a rumor has new rules attached to it, and which mm -hmm. are making me preemptively nervous. And then we have BJ's wizard wheezes, which have no rules attached to them. <laughs> we have newbies notes from Spencer. We award house points, and then there are there are questions. Um, and it seems like there may be one less of them <laughs> now. Perhaps maybe um, mm. I, th there are. Definitive rules to wizard wheezes. <laughs> Very much like all of the speeches and, and songs and other things that, that Dumbledore uh, Dumbledore does. Um, I like to think of myself as the Slytherin version of Dumbledore. Well, there's a concept. I'm going to have to think about that, but it it sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, I mean, a Slytherin version of Dumbledore would be the greatest threat to national security in any man. <laughs> A Dumbledore that cared about self-advancement and gave a shit? Oh, God help us all. Hmm. But, so Spencer, <laughs> per your request, I have thought up some rules now, some rewards, some penalties that come now with your two-minute recap, which may no longer be a two-minute recap, as soon to be decided by BJ. Hmm. So, here's the idea. You, of course, are competing for points for Ravenclaw, as you would, loyal member that you are. BJ is your professor at how Slytherin is actually imposing these rules in place. He will decide at the start of each chapter whether this chapter, in his good judgment for how long or difficult it is, will take you a minute 45, two minutes, or two minutes and 15 seconds. Okay. If you complete your recap under those goals, you get five points for Ravenclaw. I like... If... Hold on one second, mm -hmm. Spencer. I like that you have created these rules in a way that has completely absented yourself from... Oh, I'm doing everything All in my power here. All <laughs> responsibility. I will sit back amused. I am the Dumbledore of this equation. He, he is the consummate Hufflepuff and has popcorn to watch all of the things that go down. I actually do have popcorn. Um, so, uh, here's the thing, though. You get to play risky, though, that possibly gets you more or less points. If you do not meet your goal, you lose five points. But, if you wish to be risky, you can actually volunteer to go 15 seconds faster than BJ set for you to win an additional extra five points at no extra at no extra cost. Okay. One final thing you can do, if you wish to make a bet that you can guess within three seconds how long it's going to take you to finish each of these recaps, you get an additional extra five points. However, if you lose your bet, you lose all the points you would have won. Oh my gosh, okay. Your goal over the course of the remainder of this book is to score, what I write down here, 70 points. Okay. There are, there are 11 chapters remaining. Okay. So, Spencer, I have a question about your rules. Yes. How is there any benefit for me to say anything other than 145 ever? Because you were an honorable man, sir. <laughs> Spencer, there is an inherent flaw in your rules. <laughs> I am basing this on how Slytherins win everything always. Fair Luck enough. Luckily, luckily, BJ also understands Prisoner's Dilemma and that there could be repercussions for him if he tries to rig this game too much. That is true. But um, I think uh, that as your rules it, are set out, if you if you do meet if you do meet your goal, not only will will House Ravenclaw win the House Cup, they you will additionally win a thematically appropriate prize. Oh, all right. If you, I do if, like prizes. If you <laughs> if you fail, on the other hand, 
the, our Professor Snape equivalent may, if we so choose, get to impose a penalty. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> do, do you do you think these terms are fair? Do you have any recommended adjustments? And should we proceed? Um, well, I think they're odd, if not fair. <laughs> <laughs> which is close enough. They're intriguing, which I think is enough to, <laughs> to create some buy-in. Um, I think I'm fine with that. Although I do, I will say that if this is the first week that we are starting with this, I do wish that I had known these rules before I actually did my notes. However, I am willing I to a, move I, I forward. I do have a coda here. Okay. I do have a, co- I do have a coda here that for the first week, given no prior advance notice to either you or BJ, two minutes will be used as the standard. Okay. And I was even going to give you two minutes because this does seem like a two-minute chapter. I think yeah. so. There are multiple scenes. Um, there's a couple of giant data dumps and then a big reveal at the end. So, okay. Um, and so explain. remind me again about the rules of me predicting my time. Essentially, that's just a way of you either getting extra points or not losing any for the round, but just getting no points, period. Okay, so, so if I... You're able to okay. get, you're able to guess within three seconds, you get an additional five points on top of everything you already would have won. However, it's a bet, so if you lose your bet, you get just zero points for that for, for this entire round. Okay. Well, since so, this is essentially... I think, Go ahead, we need, I need, think we need to call it the Trelawney time. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine, I'm, you can do that. Yes, I will look into my crystal ball and see. <laughs> <laughs> just as unreliable and likely to end in death. <laughs> Read my wine dregs and see what... <laughs> <laughs> what is predicted here? Okay, well, since this is a first round and I would like to see how this plays out, I am going to guess my time for this. And okay. I think that I am going to do plus or minus three seconds. Oh, sorry. I'll, I also misspoke on one thing. It's not 70, it's 65 for this first book in terms of your goal oh, okay. for the remaining 11 chapters. Um, okay, 65. Okay, so I am going to guess plus or minus three seconds for a minute 55. Okay. Huh. I'm so, I'm so much more nervous about this than I was before. <laughs> the tension is real. Now, of course, I still do play a bit of involvement, and I've got the giant novelty stopwatch. Uh, that is so. that is true. You are ultimate timekeeper. Mm-hmm. Well, are you ready with said stopwatch? Uh, the giant novelty stopwatch is ready to go. I think we're all excited to see how this first round of the game works. If you're ready. Harry's mad at Hermione, and so is Ron, so they pretty much blackball her for the rest of the holiday. Oliver Wood is also very concerned about Harry's lack of a broom and decides that he's the one who can change McGonagall's mind. Classes start again, and Harry immediately badgers Lupin for anti-dementor lessons, despite the fact that he still looks ill, and Hermione seems to think she knows why, but again, no one is speaking to her. Lupin has found a boggart to practice on and promptly begins to teach Harry the very advanced Patronus charm, which requires a powerful, happy memory and acts as a protective force against Dementors. Harry tries while thinking of his first time riding a broom and manages a sort of silvery mist. He tries again with the Bogart Dementor and immediately falls over. Lupin gives him some chocolate, some advice to choose a happier memory, and Harry tries again. He tries winning the House Cup as a memory, and this time he hears actually his dad as well. This unsettles Lupin, particularly as it emerges that Lupin and Harry's dad were friends at school. Harry tries one more memory, leaving the Dursleys for Hogwarts, and he's able to sustain the mist long enough to keep his feet. As he's leaving for the night, Harry also realizes that Lupin must have known Sirius Black. Harry ruminates on the difficulty of producing a real Patronus when he sort of wants to hear his parents. Quidditch things happen that mean that Gryffindor still has a slim chance of winning the cup. Ron is very angry that he can't figure out how Hermione's getting all of her double-booked classes. McGonagall still isn't giving the broom back. As the weeks go on, Harry continues his Patronus lessons but doesn't really progress. But he does learn about the Dementor's Kiss, where they latch onto a victim and suck out their soul, which is what is intended for Black once he's caught. And then, out of nowhere, McGonagall is back with the Firebolt, unscathed. Harry and Ron decide to take it out for a spin and, and are in such good moods that they decide to give from, forgive Hermione, who is looking distinctly haggard. Until Ron discovers that Scabbers is missing and there's blood on the sheets and suspiciously ginger cat hairs nearby. You did that in a minute and 50 seconds. Oh, I missed my bonus. And now I don't get any points. You you did too well on your bet. (laughs) I should have kept one sentence in there that I had cut out earlier today. (laughs) So that's how the game goes. You You made your bet to get an extra five points, but unfortunately you did too well this round. Well, that is a very Ravenclaw thing to do. (laughs) <laughs> but going forward you, you basically need to get a few, you need to make up a few extra points as you go through our remaining 10 chapters mm-hmm. but i think you can still pull it off i think now that i know what the rules are i will be well prepared although there is the 
BJ element here. (laughs) (laughs) As we so often see in this book, Slytherins just have random control over how the world works. So might as well go in theme. There is a not insignificant possibility that I am going to uh, start (laughs) creating summaries that are of three different time lengths. (laughs) (laughs) You two can discuss off pod. We all can agree off pod whether BJ has to notify you in advance what he's going to say. We can play that one by ear. Okay. Um, I mean, I do also have control of the sound editing, so I could totally just, like, excise that chunk and slow it down a little bit. <laughs> Be like, oh, I guess he missed out. Yes, mm. but you do not have control of the giant novelty stopwatch, so therefore... <laughs> you have one thing in your camp, Sarah. <laughs> um, but, so BJ, on my wizard reading, yes. um, we have... Um, some perfunctory problems with punctuation this uh, this chapter as well, as well as a very fun word, um, okay. which I was finally excited for. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the first one, we have uh, not too far into the chapter, the second Kindle page, and maybe even the, the sort of first page of the actual book, we have a mix of ellipses and M dashes, which uh-huh. yes. I <laughs> understand is a thing, but... It, it just seems a little goofy at this point. <laughs> um, I didn't count ellipses or M dashes for this chapter because I got lazy with it, but I was kind of tempted to see like where the balance of power was. Um, and Ooh, also... Just glancing through... Oh, the first couple of pages, I would have said that this was an ellipses-heavy chapter, but then we get heavy into the M dashes. Yeah, um, and, and we go back and forth. I think there was like very much... A, uh, I think this is the first M dash book, um, and, and, you know, we're, we're powering through it. Um, but this would, li- I, this is a question I would actually like for JK Rowling to, to, um, weigh in on, unlike many other questions that she is currently weighing in on, on asked. Uh, I would like to know if there is in her mind when she is writing a difference between what an M dash signifies and what an ellipsis signifies. Oh, I would adore if you went to a convention and asked her that. Um, and also, if somebody told her about an M dash before Prisoners of Azkaban, because <laughs> like there's a very clear uh, uptick. But I do want to uh, turn our attention to uh, the Patronus lessons. Mm-hmm. The first or the second? Um, we are in the uh, second, I believe. We're I'm not sure about that. Where he's talking about hearing his father. Um, just after that. Oh, that is still the first one. Okay, the first one then. Um, and so Harry says, expecto patronum a couple of times, um, mm-hmm. though I don't really understand why he's doing it more than once, but whatever. He um, shouldn't, except that he doesn't know how to work the spell. <laughs> well, it's his third year. He hasn't picked <laughs> many things up yet. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have a sentence paragraph again with a bunch of M dashes. Oh, okay. The screaming inside Harry's head had started again. Mm-hmm. M dash. Except this time, comma, it sounded as though it were coming from a badly tuned radio M mm. dash, softer and louder and softer again, M dash, and he could still see the dementor, M dash, it had halted, M dash, and then a huge, comma, silver shadow came bursting out of the end of Harry's wand, comma, to hover between him and the dementor, comma, and though Harry's legs felt like water, comma, he was still on his feet, M-dash, though for how much longer, comma, he wasn't sure, M-dash. The other thing mm-hmm. that I really like is there were a couple of uh, N-dashes in the paragraph on the Kindle edition as well, and so it's just really funny to see <laughs> them, uh, or hyphens, uh, but it's really fun to, funny to see them interspersed. <laughs> How differently are you supposed to, like, if you were, like, reading this aloud, if you were narrating this, like, in the audiobook, how differently are the stage notes for an M-dash versus a comma in terms of spoken English? Um, I think it's the length of pause. I mean, so I would read Mm -hmm. it, the screaming inside Harry's head had started again, except this time it sounded as though it were coming from a badly tuned radio. I think that's fair, yeah. And louder, softer again, etc. So, like, you have sort of, like, a half pause for commas. And mm-hmm. like a full, and like a full pause, yeah, full yeah. beat pause or whatever. Okay, that is a hell of a paragraph. Yeah, yeah, um, good find. Yeah, 
they're they're fun. Um, and <laughs> Your in-dash radar is on point. <laughs> I just want you, and and I I know you're not reading. You're more skimming these, but I just the next time you go through, particularly this book, just start looking at the uh, ellipsis dot rate and see if it matches up what do you think it should be. And that is my Slytherin sentence for for the episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hmm. All right. <laughs> um, um, there are definitely some threes and some fours. and Yeah. So uh, what word is it that you liked from this chapter? Oddsbodikins. Oh, yes. That's a great word. That was a lot of fun. And it's not a real word, but I don't really care. But it, but it is just a lot of fun. Um, we get to see Neville being Neville again, which is what it is. But this is the, the password to uh, the Gryffindor common room. And we also have a uh, sentence structure that I don't feel uh, is commonly used within the past century and a half, which is Adiobotikins said Harry to Sir Cadigan, who looked extremely disappointed and reluctantly <laughs> swung forward to let them into the common room. But said somebody to somebody else just is not a, hello, said Spencer to Sarah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it somehow feels very Harry Potter, though. Yeah. Hmm. Or like a looking, bad KJV translation. Look, looking it up as well, I never realized what odds bodskins means. It's a euphemistic way of saying God's body. I also just looked that up as well, Spencer. <laughs> had, had to know. Mm-hmm. Had to know. Well, I know it was something like that, because anytime you get that sort of like, that has the kind of like weird structure that these kind of euphemisms to not sort of take the Lord's name in vain has Mm -hmm. it had to be something like that it it feels irish (laughs) (laughs) um so so yeah spencer oh on to me what newbies notes do you have Uh, i got a few and a few questions but we'll get to those later uh point number one i I know the broom turns out to be clean Mm -hmm. but can we also agree that harry and wood are also just still idiots (laughs) it's like Among the possibilities we're looking at here for whether the broom is clean or whether it is an active instrument of murder, based on prior history that Harry has himself lived through and experienced in his three years at Hogwarts, odds in favor are odds are consistently in favor of murder. Okay, but to be fair, he did let Ron use it first. Yes, and I I kind of sort of believe he's like using Ron as the test subject to find out for sure. But there are a whole bunch of conversations earlier in this chapter about like why haven't you bought a new broom? Yeah, and which like, Harry never really provides an answer. No, Harry has plenty of money. Uh, I, I, of all people, Spencer. I, I no, no, no. Yes, but no. <laughs> it, it, it is, it, it is utterly hypocritical of me to criticize Harry here. Yes, true, but still, I'm going to criticize him. <laughs> uh, Harry also learned very clearly in this chapter that, in terms of the various fellow students that could serve as of his fiduciary, uh, Wood should never be on that list. <laughs> his conversation with McGonagall was terrifying. <laughs> but, you know, I just said it wouldn't matter that much if you fell off your broom to your death so long as you caught the snitch first. Well, what was that bad about that? his death, and, and, well, but it's already essentially happened once, and he was fine. Yeah, because Dumbledore directly <laughs> intervened, and he still was in the hospital. Uh, when? That, when he broke his fell. arm? Yeah. Y- uh, didn't it happen? No, before that was the bludger. The Hold book. on, he no, he fell on. Yeah, he was he, f- o- he was okay. Yeah, he was He's okay. Fa- the, Dumbledore directly intervened. He still they still did, didn't they end up taking him to the hospital afterwards just to have him checked out. Uh, I thought that was the Dementor time, which was this book. It, I thought it happened they, they, in like the first or second book as well. God, how many times has Harry fallen? All off? The how many times has Harry been seriously injured in his broom now? And and why people think he's a particularly good flyer, I am unsure. <laughs> he's a good well. flyer in the way that, like, the SR-71 is a good flyer. <laughs> Fast, yes. Agile, mm-hmm. eh. Yeah. When, in, when encountering missiles, speed up. That's the philosophy. <laughs> uh, it's also... Not only is Wood, you know, blinded by his loyalty to Quidditch, even the logic he's tried to present to Harry by why, by why the broom must be safe and not produced by Black is just dumb. I mean, his logic is, well, Black couldn't just walk into a store and buy it. He's a wanted man. It's like, well, you all know there's magic in this world, right? Well, <laughs> that yeah. assuming other faces and other appearances is a regular thing that people do. It's also apparently been advertised in prior warnings that this is a thing that Black can do a lot. With respect to different shapes, is 
forms and creatures. So... Also, like, Wood has also said in a prior, in this chapter, conversation to Harry, why haven't you ordered, quote unquote, ordered a broom yet? So anyone mm-hmm. can just do a sort of mail order for a broom. Yeah, there's, there is an equivalent of Amazon here by Alpost, and there seemingly has to be no ID that's provided to order these things. So there's a there are many flaws in Wood's logic, but we know what the real reason for that is. Man, why do Muggles get the worst version of everything? Well, that's just the light. That, that is just our cross to bear. Uh, have you not seen the pictures of drone delivery? It's not an owl. Uh, okay. <laughs> As this book reveals, owls make everything better. Um, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, I just came up with an idea for a delivery service that <laughs> that would require some arts and crafts, if you're in. Okay, um, they already did this in Jason and the Argonauts, I think, or was, or was it Clash of the Titans? It's one of the two where there was a mechanical owl that flew around and delivered things. Yeah, that's exactly, it's essentially, you know, paper mache or something else around the body of a drone so you can deliver... Oh, you could deliver Hogwarts letters that way. That'd be so funny. Oh, I could crochet a little owl costume for a drone. Man, that's going to be great until it actually shreds its costume when it lands to deliver a package. And then children are scarred. Well, in terms of things that don't scar children, there's a sentence early in this chapter that just really encapsulates my amusement at these books. Of where it goes, Hagrid had provided a bonfire full of salamanders for their enjoyment. And they spent an unusually good lesson collecting dry wood and leaves to keep the fire blazing while the flame-loving lizards scampered up and down the crumbling white-hot logs. I just love the whimsy and images that these books convey. And that just sounds like it'd be such a wonderful day to observe. Uh, It's also a hmm? nice little moment of, like, Hagrid maybe not having a real lesson, but getting a little bit of something back. It does Mm -hmm. appear he has found his confidence again to actually give them a proper amusing lesson that doesn't involve worms. Also him realizing that wandering around outside in the UK in January is probably not, like, the best way to regain their confidence <laughs> mm-hmm. give them a uh, fire yes uh, one professor that is built around not helping people regain comp- uh, their uh, confidence though is trelawney mm. who i'm convinced is a troll and i will not be convinced otherwise <laughs> that she seems to now run on the idea of ostracizing harry in any way that she possibly can eventually well, just like is it going to be a self-proven prophecy of where she stresses him out enough he just suffers a heart attack and then goes <laughs> that was the death i predicted uh, do you remember uh, Robin Williams, uh, I think it was 2000 stand-up special, where he talks about... Uh, this is live on Broadway? I think yeah, live on Broadway, where he's just like, you know, the uh, the woman somewhere in like Louisiana that that's like scrawny and ugly and, and is like, looks at you and is like, mm, you're gonna die. That, that's That's the psychic that you believe in. Yeah, that, not the lady you call on the phone. Right, that's sort of how I imagine Trelawney now. <laughs> it's like, ah, your lifeline's small, you're gonna die. Yeah, I, I, I almost picture her saying that every time she just sees him as Harry, good day, you're gonna die. It's her own, it's her own version of the, uh, the Red Pirate Roberts. Uh, let's see here. Um, Hermione's book bag uh, reminds me of me in school to a disturbing degree of where I, for some reason throughout most of junior high and high school, just refused to use my locker. And so I just loaded up all my books in my backpack at all times. Oh, of Back course you were that person, Spencer. Was there any doubt? I'm just revealing knowledge you already had and didn't realize yet. You're just so, reminding me that that person existed in middle school and high school and you were him. I was yep. also kind of that person, except I didn't mm-hmm. really take my books out of my backpack. They were just there <laughs> you just had a weight you carried with you basically okay i feel like we just all learned i feel like we just learned something about two of ourselves here uh so spencer you know mm-hmm. the suit of armor has been mentioned a number of times do you think that comes up and has like any purpose or is it just like building a milieu i'm guessing milieu with this one uh it could be a you know it's actually a good point, Royos. They have mentioned the suits of armor quite a bit around this around this halls, but I'm at least so far just interpreting it as a more complete depiction of the world, which I find a little bit disappointing because if there was any sort of easy way to guard the school in a magic school, having like suits of armor that you presumably could animate because there's no way that that's not a spell. <laughs> I mean, if 
if we ultimately find out that J.K. Rowling is a huge fan of bed knobs and broomsticks, and you know the spell is actually is, um, I forget the name of the spell from that one, but you know, if you guys have never seen that movie, there is a famous scene of where they animate where she anim- the, the witch animates all of these suits of armor to go descend on an invading group of Germans, and it's an iconic scene in an English film. So you know maybe J.K. Rowling ends up being a huge fan of that. We'll see. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, you know, there's a I'm, I don't expect anybody to answer this, but it's interesting to see now in, Harry, in Harry's flashbacks, because we got a few now, describe, uh, the moment of his, de- of, um, well, his parents' death and his near death, that it seems clear that Voldemort wasn't going after his parents, that he was going very specifically after Harry, and that her- their parents were almost incidental to that purpose. That from the description, they're just actively trying to defend Harry, while Voldemort is just trying to get through them to go murder Harry. To the point that he even offers Lily an opportunity to put Harry down rather than kill her. And, and that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that the flashback is of sort of the same ambiguous narrator that a lot of the the, uh, the book is. Because mm-hmm. it's not like Harry Potter has a flashback. It's Harry Potter has a uh, Harry, like a Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban flashback. Yeah, it's one of those things of where I'm not sure whether the book is asking us to believe that Harry actually remembers something that happened when he was under one year old, or if this is almost just like a memory that has been so damaging and so disturbing the fabric of reality that it is somehow preserved in the cosmos and he's just tapping into it. Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Either, I suppose either one could work. I, I am... One thing I actually really enjoyed about this chapter was how hard it is for Harry to master the Patronus. That it could have just been an easy thing, and they've done this before, where, you know, the main character just immediately, magically gifted they are, kind of just masters of the spell. I kind of enjoy that Harry is not inherently the best wizard. Yeah. And that the fact he's even able to summon a bit of the spell is already remarkably advanced, and that it was going to be a pipe dream for him to actually just be able to pull this off with, like, three or four lessons. That's a touch of realism that I can really appreciate, but, and also just kind of reveals again that yeah, there is a difference here. The students cannot, or at least are not fully yet capable of the highest order of spells. They don't well, have the training, they don't have the discipline yet. I, I think there, I'm of two minds here because to me this wasn't a, it wasn't quite a his skill as a wizard to a certain extent. More of a, mm-hmm. I can't think of any good happy memories or like re- like the happiest memory that I have so I can't mm-hmm. do this spell. And like I, clearly some of that is being able to hold a happy memory, like sure. while you're trying to do something else, which is kind of similar to the um, getting rid of uh, uh, Bogart spell, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was like R- ridiculous. Yes, ri- thank you. Um, where you just have to like picture something silly, and if you're scared, that's obviously going to be harder. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't believe that anybody in the class would have actually been able to do it on their first try, but that's Mm -hmm. fine. Um, Mm -hmm. So it does raise practical questions about where people who've lived remarkably unhappy lives, it's this spelled outside of their abilities. Yeah. Uh, Because that seems to be part of the argument for why Harry is having so much trouble with it. Although it is intrinsically an advanced spell, but like Mm -hmm. what we, what we get from kind of our insider perspective is how hard it is for him to figure out what, what counts as a happy memory. Yeah, okay. which is, is kind also... of understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to ask a question here, Spencer, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Does Snape have a Patronus? <laughs> um, you don't have to answer it. You, like, I, I know it could be spoiler or whatever, but I'm, I can I'm also just, no, see I'm to Snape just not, not having anything that's a happy enough is memory Snape, to Snape a thousand percent has a Patronus. That first day I punished Harry Potter. Yeah, Snape Snape has a Patronus, and it is very spoilery to talk to you about what it is. <laughs> oh, oh! And so there this is, is the thing. What, like we, I think we can talk about it now because you kind of know what Patronuses are, Spencer. Although mm-hmm. we've not seen a fully fledged one yet. Um, There's the shadow, shadow and mist. Yeah, but but really, and we we get this later in a moment that is plot relevant, but I think knowing that Patronuses take on a sort of corporeal form um, and become something that is important to whoever is casting them is not necessarily a spoiler at this point, now that you know what Patronuses are and what they kind of are supposed to do. 
And that was going to be my question yeah. about whether it's a form of effectively of the Patronus itself or whether it's a form that is actually key to you. And it seems to be we're going in favor of the latter. Yeah, it's almost, it's actually almost kind of the the reverse of a bogart. Like it takes on a form of something that is particularly important or emblematic of you. Hmm. Well, that's going to be really interesting to see when that manifests for more characters. When, like which a... is why we did not allow you to take the Pottermore Patronus charm <laughs> test, Spencer, <laughs> until this point. And now I think you are ready. Look, looking forward to it. We... I could see that being kind of spoilery if it's choosing from book ones. Um, we'll figure it out. Yeah, mine we'll is out. not. mine is not something that was mentioned in the books. So I think okay. there are mm-hmm. a wide, and neither is Terry's. So I think there's a wide spectrum of things that they, they pick from. Gotcha. This, this is also in the category of spell that I would inherently hate because it's asking you to pick favorites. <laughs> it's like the kind of thing of where I would just rack my mind for a significant period of time before I'd ever be expected to use it. Because thinking of this on the fly, I don't care what's in front of me. They're killing me before I successfully get this spell off. Chicken nachos. Well, that's going to be the opposite. That's what the Dementor is <laughs> coming at me with. The Bogart has appeared with that image. It also does seem to be kind of one of those spells that once you get it, you don't have to focus so hard on the particular memory when you're doing it the next time. Okay. Mm. That kind of makes sense. But getting there uh, requires the memory. Uh, Sarah, you noted this in your initial recap, but good on Harry for catching the we were friends at Hogwarts line from Lupin. That was an incredibly revealing line that ties him into things in a way that is... Mm-hmm. Interesting. This just establishes not only his admission that he was friends with Harry's dad, but we've already had previously established and Harry caught that his dad was close friends with Sirius Black. They roved together when they were at Hogwarts, hence why they became and continued to be close friends thereafter. Correct me if I'm wrong, too. Did I, wasn't Peter Pettigrew also part of that group in some way? Yes, or he was. was connected with them in some way? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so we, we learned that from... People. We, we learned that from Madame Rose Murda in... I can't remember I if it was the last was, chapter mm-hmm. or the chapter before they, that, but um, she I, talked about him sort of trailing after them. Right. I thought he thought was like a year that. younger or something, or just like he might have been cool younger, or just seemed younger, but he was he was always kind of the the outcast of that group. Mm-hmm. So this raises massive questions with Lupin because all of these people are either dead or in prison or well, were until they're now in the run from the law and possibly going to suffer the Dementor's kiss. Mm-hmm. So Lupin's the very odd man out there. He is what did he do? Alive in mm-hmm. here. <laughs> He's alive here, incredibly sickly and possibly a werewolf. So there's a lot of questions about what's going on there with him and how he reached this point. But the fact that he is the sole remaining individual of this friend group that has made it to the present, you could alive say that and he unchained. had the wherewithal to withstand some things. Ow! 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 I need a second. Ow! <laughs> Well, just to remove any doubt, the damn silvery orbs comes back when the Bogart is banished. Uh, so, yeah, that's a thing there, too. I also adored the line of, he felt drained and strangely, em- and strangely empty, even though he was so full of chocolate. Because that, <laughs> that feeling has now become one of the moments that I now know I'm old. Or if I consume the same amounts of Halloween candy that I used to enjoy as a child, I feel drained and strangely empty. I mean, and even more so if you're doing it with, like, sugar-free gummy bears, because... Oh. Jesus, you will be literally empty at that point. Um, uh, any more? I, I got a few, yeah. Uh, there's a rather cold line from Harry when, you know, he says to himself, they're dead and, won't, and this won't bring them back, you know, instead investing himself mm-hmm. into Quidditch. And it really does remind me again that, yeah, this is a kid who's had to be an adult for way too long. He's endured yeah. way too many mature adult moments at far too young an age to be able to process this without damage and baggage. And well, also, and I think that... Mm-hmm. Go ahead, BJ, I'm sorry. I was going to say, and also doesn't like getting any more information than absolutely necessary. Well, yeah. And, and, and what I was going to say is I think that, you know, that, that sort of turn away to your point, Spencer, is, is kind of really interesting and, and sort of, sort of mature on Harry's part, but it mm-hmm. comes at, and I mentioned this in my recap, but it comes at the end of what I think is kind of one of the most insightful moments we've seen Harry have possibly ever. Which is this sort of like, how am I supposed to cast this Patronus charm to send away the Dementors when the Dementors give me the only memories of my parents that I have? And the fact that he reaches that kind of decision is an interesting progression from where he was previously with the um, Mirror of of Erezet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where previously he was willing to, you know, go and basically sit in the Lotus Eater machine forever until 
everything else crumbled around him. Now he is consciously ban banishing away access to his parents, at least a new way he has found, for the sake of his immediate in-life goals and needs. Yeah. That is maturity. That is, you know, as long as he's willing to process the emotion later on on his own choosing, that is a step of an adult that really, again, just shows how much Harry's growing up over the course of these books more than I... It, it pay, it, it, it's useful to pay attention to these kind of moments because I forget how much he is actually maturing as he goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even as uh, he castigates Hermione because Ron's mad at her. Yeah, <laughs> though he is the first one that, that that proposes, you know, she did mean well when he gets the broom back. Let's go, let, let's go be nice to her again. Uh, in terms of Hermione, I feel like Rowling is really dragging out this secret about how she's able to access all of her classes at once way too long. This has been something they've been teasing for how many chapters now? I mean, this came up the first, like the second chapter they were in Hogwarts mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. this book. And it has been teased all this time, and I'm suspecting it's going to be like six more chapters before I get an honest, a clear answer on it. Um, I'm going to tell you just the chapter that it happens in. Okay, we're in twelve right now. Because we do, we do learn eventually, and um, it's probably a chapter title: <laughs> "The Hermione Secret," Chapter Eighteen. Uh, Harry Potter and, and Hermione Secret. Well, there is the oh. Hermione Secret, yes, which is chapter 21, which is, in fact, Please where we learn Hermione okay. Secret. <laughs> you are kidding. You are kidding. I'm really not. <laughs> oh, God. Rolling, come on. All right. <laughs> this has been so... Un I don't know why it's been drawn out this much. I'm assuming it's going to be similarly integrally important to the plot. It better damn be for how much foreshadowing... I, 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 can, I can tell you without telling you what it is. It is, in fact the linchpin of the plot. Okay. Alright, I'll forgive her for that. But it's just like, you've already done your three times where you've taunted me with this. You're into like six times now. Is this going to be every chapter until it finally comes up? Just stop, please. Well, but I do feel like what we got, and, and this will bleed a little bit into my house point section, although I'm not trying to rush you, Spencer, but I do feel like what we got in this chapter with the discussion of what is going on with Hermione is how much it is actually wearing on her. Mm -hmm. True. Which we, we had not really that. gotten before. We'd mm -hmm. gotten a little bit in terms of like how tired she was and yeah. like out like she's not on top of it in classes, but this is really like where she's not enjoying her homework. Like <laughs> something is clearly wrong. <laughs> she's having to justify to herself that she likes a topic. Mm -hmm. What's happening? Alright, quick quick rundown of a few remaining ones. Uh Lupin, as a, saying that as a teacher he's not supposed to take sides, is the most out of, is the most non Hogwarts teacher moment ever <laughs> expressed, because they all seem to run on that, as as shown by McGonagall like eight paragraphs later. So is this demonstrating that he's just remarkably principled, or that he's just not in the know about? No, that's what you do as a Hogwarts teacher. Mm. You take obvious, you make obvious favorites. Uh, Soul sucking by Dementors is again a remarkably grisly moment to just throw into these books. As is Harry's response to it, of where he just says, some people deserve that. Yeah. Again, there was a darkness in this man that is building up to some kind of classic hero moment before this book is done. Yeah, but also, like, when, when people are younger, they say things that are just insane. Uh, especially in this book series. Yeah. Yeah. When you're dealing with that much trauma, especially, and you yeah. don't know, mm -hmm. like, how to process it, who knows what's going to come out, out of your mouth. Yeah, as I said, he's doing very well for his age in terms of processing his past trauma. We can forgive him if he makes occasional comments like this. He probably doesn't mean them, though I aim to be surprised with these books. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I've, as we said before, Quidditch is a remarkably unfair sport where they're literally saying, we're going to win because all the other team have worse brooms. That There need to be standardized rules on this point. Uh, the topic of why muggles need electricity means that I would have so much fun in muggle studies class, <laughs> and I will need to sign up for that whenever we do our RPG again. And the ending is perfectly predictable, but in the sense that I entirely doubt it. That I'm going to buy into classic fantasy tropes here, then unless I, unless I visibly see bodies, death certificates, and signed notes from next, from next of kin, <laughs> death either did not occur or is not going to stick. Scabbers is somewhere. Scabbers is somewhere. I mean, hell, Crookshanks is somewhere. Both are missing at present. Maybe with a couple of fewer scabs that leaked blood. <laughs> but house points. I believe we move from here on house points. House points. Uh, this is an interesting chapter for house points. I do think, despite the fact that he had a couple of, or he has some, some very difficult lessons, I think overall Harry had a good chapter. He got his firebolt back. <laughs> 
He has made mm-hmm. some success with the Patronus, although maybe not as much as he would like. Mm-hmm. He got a lot of chocolate. He got a lot of chocolate. Yeah. And butterbeer. And butterbeer, although he had to do some quick thinking to explain why he knew what butterbeer was. <laughs> yep. Yeah, with how, with how much he lies, he needs to learn how to lie better. Yeah, if he, if he could be better <laughs> at that, it would be helpful. Um, so, I just want to point out that he did have a very good chapter without his owl. He did. We hmm. did not get any mention of Hedwig. Interesting. Hmm. This might... But this might... Be the first wrench. and only time. Yes, this could be the exception that proves the rule, or it could throw a wrench in our theory. Unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, Good catch. Yeah, that's. Oh, that is very interesting. Um, I feel like, in terms of worst loser of the chapter, especially because like we really only have. Well, I guess we kind of have six people in this chapter, but we really have four main people, which is our main trio and Lupin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, although Neville did not have a great day, but that's to be expected. <laughs> Neville doesn't have a great day for like the first five books. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Neville yeah. eventually has a good day, but it is not now. <laughs> I, I do not believe you. Um, it's like it's it, it's like the, it's like it's like when you ask Tolkien if there's a good orc, what happens? He basically says it wouldn't be an orc anymore. Mm-hmm. If Neville has a good day, he is no longer Neville. No longer. He has transcended the Neville state. You're going to be really confused towards the end of the series. Yes. I, we'll see how the buildup is. Um, so I think that given our, our kind of four main players in this chapter, Lupin is just there as an instructor. Like he doesn't have a good or bad day, really. Mm-hmm. So we have to choose between. Ron and Hermione. Now, Ron has a very distressing moment at the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that what we learn about Hermione, even though she is not like particularly in view in this chapter, is that the very core of her being has been shook. Strong well, endorsement. So we have, we have, I think, a lot more to say that Hermione has had a really bad chapter that may continue because she was on the outs with her friends yes. at the beginning of the chapter. Yes. Is having mm-hmm. trouble in school. Mm-hmm. And then um, is perhaps even more on the outs with her friends at the end of the chapter. Yeah. Based on shaky evidence. <laughs> yeah, but like, what else does. <laughs> sure, Sherlock Ron, and... Ron is not Mm-mm. Like, Mm-mm. the best of detectives in the world, but. I would hazard a guess that it is not good for her. She, she is working herself in the direction of both a hospital stay and an A-, minus. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure which one will be worse for her. Both are bad. Mm-hmm. Mm, I, it's clearly the A-. minus. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> Given the options. <laughs> yes. Um, so those are my choices. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Strong, strong choices. So what questions do we have? I've got a few, and that was a perfectly timed beep there. Um, uh, first question, Bogarts. Do they have a native habitat? Do they nest at Hogwarts? Because I was caught off guard uh, that Lupin went looking in Hogwarts to find one. We uh, learned about them previously. Yeah, and they do have a native a native habitat. Dark places, essentially. But, yeah, but are they con- do they emerge from that? Is this some kind of spon- spontaneous generation of where a Bogart just becomes into being because a place is dark? Or are they somehow smuggling themselves in to settle into Hogwarts? I don't. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, well, like, do Bogarts have sex? Is the question. <laughs> so, Spencer, do you believe in the germ theory of Bogarts, or is are they a, are they a rhizomatic creature in the world? <laughs> are we going Darwinian or Lamarckian before we're done with this? It's. It meant, I, I guess my question is: Is this? Do we have any concept of whether Bogart is a living being or is it a spirit? Oh, that's a great question. I'm not sure. I think it's kind of a spirit. I would have gotten a semi-sentient mushroom. Yeah. Semi-sentient mushroom? More, like, well, I think that's right, yeah. Because they yeah, can sure. pick up on, they have some sort of sensitivity to what people's fears are, mm-hmm. but seem to just sort of, like, exist in a dormant state if no one's around them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, like, dark, dank places and, yeah. I mean, sentient well, mushroom. And we do <laughs> encounter at least... One more, but well, I guess at least two more Bogarts before the end of this series. But like it is consistent where they are, but they are also always, when we see them, they are always kind of singular, singular entities. Like we know, you never see like a troop of Bogarts. (laughs) A boggle of Bogarts. A boggle Um, of Bogarts. So Mm -hmm. to follow up on that, like, are there, is there like a, a social pressure 
on what ends up being like a bug art theme like was after the first wizarding war war were like all bog arts voldemort <laughs> maybe although i want yeah maybe um I don't... or is it like super personal huh. i mean i i would imagine that there might have been an uptick in voldemort bog arts mm-hmm. but but my impression of the way that bog arts work is that they are super personal and even if there is perhaps something that you are like superficially or momentarily or some sort of time-based thing scared of, mm-hmm. they're going to tap into what is actually your deepest fear. Yeah. It's more like you have a fear of spiders rather than, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting expelled from school. I, I think so. I, I think so. I, in the same way, and, and Bogart seem like... I, I think to me, Bogart seemed like less serious than Dementors, possibly because of the way that Lupin set up this lesson in this chapter. Mm-hmm. But I think they actually kind of work in the same way, that they are somehow tapping into those kind of primal emotions around fear, around happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they kind of do different things with them, but I think that they're, they're working in the same way. Yeah. Uh, well, follow-up question from there. Uh, do Bogart's effectively summon in any way the powers of the thing that they're appearing as? Because this one's acting as a Dementor, at least to Harry. Or is this more of a your mind makes it real kind of thing? I think it's the latter. Um, we don't get... We get limited experience with Bogarts going forward. So there's not... It's hard because... I think because of exactly what we were just talking about, which is the kind of related way that Bogarts and Dementors work. And mm-hmm. so when we see Bogarts going forward... They are crippling in the fear that they induce based on what they turn into. It is interesting to me that in these lessons, Bogarts are able to also recall these sort of sublimated memories from Harry in ways that I wouldn't, to your point, Spencer, I wouldn't think that Bogarts would be able to do. That seems to be a very Dementor-specific thing. But also no mm-hmm. one has reacted to the Dementors in the same way that Harry has, right? So this could be simply Harry's response to his trauma. I have a theory. Which is? Uh, well, it, it spiders out from things that I know essentially nothing about, but I <laughs> essentially... As all good ima- theories do. <laughs> yeah, well, um, like I imagine that there there's probably an association between Voldemort and uh, dark creatures, of which uh, Bogarts and Dementors are among them, and so the uh, hexes that are probably associated with Harry and his memory and association with his parents are mm. uh, sort of bleed through uh, when when he's around evil animals or creatures or whatever. Yeah, that's an interesting theory. I, I buy that. Certainly the first part of your theory I can confirm without spoiling anything. Like, Dementors and Bogarts are obviously both dark creatures. Um and Voldemort was doing a thing. So <laughs> there you go. But I th- I do think that the idea that that experience kind of bleeds through between these creatures, that makes some sense to me. Uh, Spencer, more questions? Uh, just a couple more. Uh, Patronus, is this a conjured spirit, a manifested spell, or in some way a combination of both? Is this in some ways an entity unto itself once you're actually able to make it manifest? Um, I think it's a combination of both, although I think it, it does actually lean closer to um, to a conjured spell, or to, to, a, to a sort of spell, um, mm. not a conjured spirit. They have, and what we, we learn, um, and I won't give the circumstances because those are spoilery, spoilery but the, the idea is not, is that... Um, when they manifest as a sort of corporeal creature, whatever that might be, they can linger for a little while, but they can't just stay around. Hmm. Uh, if the happiest memory is associated with the Patronus, does it change when, like, big things happen? Like, when, you know, wizards get married or have kids or, or things like that, do they have to, like, reset their Patronus? Or is it just, like, once you end up casting it as like a 14 year old that is sort of locked into place and how weird is that if that's the case no they change 
they can okay. change. It does take a major event. Um, so if you have like a slightly happier memory that comes into your life, I don't think that that really deals with mm -hmm. anything. I also think that like the the process of casting this like probably gets stronger when you are dealing with nostalgia as well. Mm -hmm. Like I, I do think that that plays into it. Um, but there are there are major events that can change both what what memory you are kind of tapping into to cast the spell. Um, but there are also very, very rare cases of what your individual Patronus manifests as can change. Can you use your Patronus to protect somebody else? You can. Uh, I have another theory. <laughs> okay. Uh, Would you like to share that theory? or? So, well, there there is a... There's a, a wizard that's important in this series that has two wizard parents that were trying to protect him in mm -hmm. impressive ways, um, and this seems like it might have been a useful way to do it. Okay. Spencer, do you have other questions? Uh, no. Uh, I'm starting to get into now Voldemort's motivations for doing things, and I can't imagine a world where those aren't at least vaguely spoilery, so I'll hold off. Yeah, those you don't need to ask those questions, Spencer. I just won't answer oh, them. Oh, I do. I do need to ask them. I just don't want to be disappointed. <laughs> Uh, BJ, do you have any other questions? Um, no, I think I'm good. I feel like this chapter was relatively straightforward in terms of... I think so. Not bringing other things up. So next time we have chapter 13, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw, in which the picture that is... Is a cat. Starting this chapter <laughs> has nothing to do with either of those things. <laughs> um... So do you think that, that there was some back and forth between whoever did this art and, uh, like, the Lewis Carroll estate to make sure, like, there wasn't any... <laughs> Overlap between the Perchanks the and the Chester The ginger Chester cat, cat in, yeah, in the uh, tree. And there might have been. <laughs> there might have been some negotiations. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to it, guys. And, uh, you know, we'll see uh, where it goes. And maybe mm -hmm. now we can find out what our Patronuses are. <laughs> that would be fun. Looking forward to that. All right, guys. This has been fun. Bye.